Everybody in here ready for the word? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I've been working all month on it. No, not really. I've been working, I've been working for 40 some years on this sermon. <laughs> Had a man came in one Sunday and he was sitting over there and he said, how long did you work on that sermon? And this had been 10 years ago. I said, 30 years. He goes, no, that's not what I meant. And I said, oh yeah, it took me 30 years to get that sermon. He said, no, I want to know how long you studied for. And I said, 30 years. I said, I don't preach out of my Bible. I preach out of my life. Amen. Some of y'all think about that for a month or two. Get your Bibles, go to Isaiah 43, and let's begin. Um, if you were here last Sunday, boy, we had a, that was awesome, wasn't it? And uh, we've been talking here about the scripture in um, Isaiah 43 for a month now. And we're getting down to the end of this, but we're nowhere near done. Amen. So let me read this. I'm going to read it in, um, I guess I should read it in the New King James first. It's a scripture the Lord gave this church, and he told me this. He said, starting Easter, everything will change. Everything's going to change. Everything's going to change in the church as a whole, all over the world. Everything's going to change in this church, and everything's going to change in your life. He said, I'm bringing a change. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute, because a lot of times we see a change come or a day come, and we went, that wasn't so spectacular. Supernatural is not always spectacular. You met, y'all, now, y'all don't remember this because you weren't there, but when Jesus was born, that was supernatural. Not a lot of people knew about it, but everything changed the day he was born. Angels, you know, they, they declared it, and, and, uh, and Anna knew it, and, and Simeon knew it, and, and people, there was people locally that, that knew it, but the, the majority of the world did not know anything changed. And when he died on the cross, you know, we know that Paul wasn't, wasn't even there. You know, there's people in Jerusalem that didn't even know what was going on. Just because something's changing doesn't mean that you know it. So things are changing all the time. And the Lord said to me, the day Easter of this year, everything in my body and everything in my church is going to change. In other words, change does not mean we're leaving the old behind. It just means that we're moving into a new realm, a new place we have never been before. I want you to think about what you just saw on there. And you're going to start seeing it more and more and more. You're going to start seeing Christians, the younger generation, that's in this earth today is tired of the older generation's Christianity because we learned we came into a church being taught the Bible. They don't want to be they don't want to be a student of the word. They want to be a disciple of the word. And here's the difference. A student wants to know what the teacher knows, but a disciple wants to do what the teacher does. And that's the difference between a person, the younger generation generation that's in this earth today, they don't want to hear about signs and wonders. They want to do signs and wonders. They don't want to know about the gifts. They want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. So we're starting to see a big change. And, and we saw it happen in Orlando with the, um, what was the, the send. Now I wasn't able because I was off running around with a guy named Mark Hankins that day. Anyway, uh, a little young puppy from someplace anyway. So anyway, um, I was out busy, but I would have been there other than that. But you know what? I saw, I saw what God said. There's a shift. 
Now, not only is there a shift in the church, there's a shift in this church. Then not only that, there's a shift taking place inside of you. So I'm going to show you something. I'm going to read something to you that the Lord gave, and I want you to latch on to this scripture. He said, do not remember, verse 18, 43, 18, do not remember the former things. We went over that. Yesterday, forget it. Smith Wigglesworth says, no man who wants the power of God can have it if he's going to continue to look back. Do not consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now, that does not mean that we're dumping the old. Every time there's a new move of God, we just keep on with the way we've been doing it. In other words, when there was a healing movement in America, the healing movement didn't go away, but the charismatic movement came along and and overrode the top of that so that people started getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. People like Dennis Bennett and, and different people started preaching the gospel and Catholics start speaking in tongues, and Methodists start speaking in tongues, Baptists start speaking, people everywhere started getting filled with the Holy Ghost, and it came out of the Pentecostal church and came into the denominational church, and we called it the, the charismatic movement. Then there was a man came along named Kenneth Hagin that decided we got all these charismaniacs that don't know the Bible, that it's time for them to learn the Word of God, who they are in Christ, what belongs to them, how to pray, how to pray in the Holy Ghost, how to walk with God, how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And he started a movement. We called it the faith movement. Now, God is not doing away with faith. Faith's not a movement. It's, a, it's the ocean. You can't get rid of the ocean. It's out there. Faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we're not doing away with faith. We're not, we're just, there's a movement that's coming on top of that movement where God wants you to start taking the faith you've been learning about and start using it during your life. There's a generation of men and women, boys and girls that are rising up that are going to, the, the world is going to start seeing God, but he's going to see him in people just like they did when the Jesus came. They saw God, but they saw him in Jesus. And how would you like to have been there the day that Jesus died on the cross and Satan said, my, I finally got rid of this guy. And the next day there's 3,000 little Jesuses pop up and he had like a nightmare like oh what did I just do and then it's been spreading ever since and we've been giving him heart attacks and then he's got a worse day coming so things aren't going real good for hell right now amen so so let me read this for out of the message bible listen to this forget about what's happened don't keep going over old history be alert be present I'm about to do something brand new He's talking about in the earth, talking about in you. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. Now, there's a scripture we've all quoted in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's he talking about, the valley of the shadow of death? It's the world you live in. You know, this world is not saved. Everybody's not saved. This is not like the perfect place to live. If you haven't noticed lately, things are not always super duper everywhere you go. I mean, there's crazy people. If you don't know, turn on the internet and just watch somebody on Facebook for 10 minutes. You're like, the people are crazy. They're crazy. There's all kind of stuff going on 
We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be inhabiting the planet just because we're supposed to keep this going. We're, we got a gospel to get out and let's get out of here. So let me help y'all a little bit with something. I know, I know that everybody's into this save the planet, but I'm going to give y'all a little secret. It's going to burn up. So I realize that y'all want to save the owl, but God's going to smoke that little sucker one day. And he's not going to be around. And I realize everybody wants to save the, the Gulf of Mexico and everybody's got something they want to save. But there's coming a day when he's going to burn it to the ground. Amen. That is true. He's going to renovate it and going to start all over again. So if you want to save something, don't worry so much about the spotted owl. Why don't you start working on the people going to hell around you? That's something worth saving. Amen. Now, there's a lot of things we can get involved in, and they don't amount to a hill of beans in the long run. But when you get around somebody that's not going to heaven, now, that's something worth looking at and going, where are you going when you die? That's a big deal. Amen. You know, I have this thing I say to old people everywhere I go. They think it's a compliment, but they don't understand that I'm trying to get them in a conversation. Especially the older they get, the more they get excited. I say, how are you doing, young man? And they all look at me and go, are you blind? I said, well, no, I'm not blind. Where are you going to be in 100 years? And they say, I have never thought about that. And I said, well, you better start right now. You're getting too old not to think about where you're going to be in 100 years. So I kind of slipped the gospel in on these old people at the Walmart, you know, and the, make them think about Jesus a little bit. Amen. So it says that I'm going to make a road through the desert in the badlands. Go to Psalm 105. Let's read something about this. Got some place we're going to go today. It's going to take me a few minutes to get there. But you'll understand where we're going when we arrive. Psalm 105. I want to start in 26. I'm going to skip around a little bit because of time. 105, 26. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. And he sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned waters to blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even the chambers of the king. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and lice on their territory and gave them hell for rain. In other words, he's telling the story here about how God sent Moses into Egypt to deliver the children of Israel. But where I want to go now is I'm going to read the rest of this, and I want you to see what God did with these people. Starting with verse 37. And he brought them out with silver and gold. They went into slavery, but they got paid. We should talk about that one Sunday. There was not a feeble among them, three million people, and there wasn't an old person with a walker. And Egypt was so glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. And he spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light and night. And the people asked, and he brought quail. And he satisfied them from bread from heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out, and it ran in dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. And he brought out the people with joy. Yeah. All right, let's get this picture. He delivers them from Egypt, but he takes them right into the desert. Now, what in the world is God doing? Does he not know that there's a desert there? Yeah, he did know it. There's a lesson he wanted them to learn. It's a lesson that everybody has to learn. The first thing they do, they come through the Red Sea. God drowns their enemies, takes them into a place where there is no water, no food, no 
internet. That would be hell, wouldn't it? No Wi-Fi. No food, no water, no shade. There is nothing there. Now, you know, you might think, well, God, you, that, I mean, come on. I mean, this is like, what's, what's with this picture? Well, he did this because he has a lesson he wants them to learn. They get out there in the desert and they said, um, you ever notice there's no water here? It says he opened a rock and the water gushed out and ran the dry places like a river for he remembered his promise. We know that Moses struck the rock and water came out. Here's the thing that, that I've never understood, but it says that, that the river went everywhere they went. A river means more than just water to drink. When I went to Israel, one of the things that I saw, that Lisa and I saw over there, was how much food is growing. You know the creek where David got his rock? The creek's not there anymore. The Jews moved the creek. I didn't even know you could move a creek, did you? Well, the, I think Jews can pretty much about do anything. They moved it, and they're using it for irrigation somewhere else. So they told me, they said, well, there's not a lot to see there anymore, and someone stole all the rocks Every time a tourist goes over, they take a rock. So that's the only place in Israel that all the rocks have been taken. Because they think they have David's stone. Anyway, I'm not sure. But, but everywhere that water goes, food goes. There's food. There's irrigation. Something grows. The date trees are everywhere. The cherry trees and the Golan are everywhere. Apple trees, orange trees. I mean, you just look and one orange tree there produces more than three or four or five of ours. The place is just literally turned into the Garden of Eden. And the Jewish nation has done this. And it's all because of water. Now, look, now we're going to go here in a minute. But now let's think about the fact that they get there and there's no food. So God brings them quail and he brings them manna. Now the desert is a harsh place. The desert will kill you. There's nothing there but death. One day in the desert, it is so hot that it'll kill you. And it's so cold at night, you would freeze to death. The snakes and the scorpions, they would bite you and kill you. So think about this. God took them into a place that was non-habitable. Is that a word? Did I say it right? Did I do all right? Why? Because he wanted them to know that all you need is me. I want to read something to you. I want, I want to, let's get this out. Uh, Exodus 3.13. Let's go there because I want you to read this in your Bible. I want you to see this. And Moses said to God, I have, come to the, I have come to the children of Israel to say to them, the God of your father sent me to you. And they say to me, what's his name? And, that, and I, what shall I say to them? And, and God said, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent you. Have you ever thought about, that's a weird name. <laughs> What's your name? Um, I am. Almost sounds a little Spanish. I am. <laughs> now think about that. What a name, I am. What's that mean, I am? 
What is what the point is? What do you need? Because even though you're going into a desert, I'm taking you in there. Do you need water? I am. I'm your provider. You need food? I am your provider. You need healing? I'm your physician. You need righteousness? I'm your righteousness. You need peace? I'm your peace. You need a husband? I'm your husband. You need a wife? I'm your wife. In other words, whatever it is in life you need, God is. Now, why is he, why has he got them out in the desert? Because he's going to take them into the promised land and he's going to take them into a place where there's villages that they didn't build, houses they didn't build, and vineyards they did not plant. But he does not want them to put their faith in the land. He doesn't want them to put their faith in themselves. He wants them to always put their faith in him. See, today you got a job, but don't put your faith in that job. That job can change tomorrow. You might be married, and some of y'all don't want to hear this, but sometimes that changes. You might have a friend, and you know what? Friends come and friends go. You know what? And you might, you know, there's a lot of things that we, that we do in this earth and God gives us, but there is none of it that's permanent except for the word of God. And Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So no matter who you are or where you are, if you have Jesus, you have everything that you need this side of heaven. I don't don't care whether you find yourself in a desert, you find yourself in a hard place. It doesn't matter if everything dries up on you. It doesn't matter if you lose your job. Those are desert places. And he said, I'm going to make a river for you even in your desert. And I'm going to turn it into the Garden of Eden for you. Now, God has a place. He says, I got to teach you guys something. You got me. Listen, you got me. You got enemies? That's not a problem. I'll take care of that. You, got a, you need water for your cow? I'm listening that. You want quail? Quail, baby. Now, I want you to imagine the children of Israel go out, go out in the day and they go, God, you know, it's still a little hot. And he goes, well, what temperature would you like it? And they'd say, we'd like about 77. And God just kind of changes the cloud a little bit. Temperature drops. They go, well, this is kind of nice. And then that night, the temperature is dropping, it's dropping, it's dropping. And they're putting their kids into bed and they go, mommy, mommy, I'm cold. And they go out and they say, hey, God, you know, Kick it up a little bit, you know, it's getting chilly and chilly and God turns on the fire at night and the kids are snug as a bug as a rug, you know, and the kid and everything's, what temperature would y'all like it? Well, 65 would be fine. And God just kind of cranks it at 65. <laughs> Honey, they're in a desert. And I mean, they're, they got a, they got a thermostat called Jehovah Rapha over there. <laughs> you know, you, this is amazing. But now they've got to learn this because all of their life, they've got to remember what is the source of life. Now, now, now let's come back here. I'm going to make a road in the desert and a river in your bad land. Yea, though, we, you listen, we live in a planet. You know, I, I pastored now for 30 years. I'm always amazed at people who look at me and wonder why they need the faith message. 
Because you're going to go through stuff. And I, I mean, and, and people, and Christians, especially charismatics, they're shocked. Pastor, having a bad day. And I go, okay. What do I do? Well, you've been sitting in church listening to you have the greater one in you for 30 years. Why don't you do something with it? Amen. <laughs> and, he, and the reason they give you a, a gun and send in the army is because you're going to need it. The reason God gave you the Holy Ghost is you're going to need him. The reason he gave you Shandai, Shandai, Harabeda, Kondabeda, is you're going to need that. That's not just a cute little thing we do to call ourselves charismatics. Honey, I don't know. I don't See, uh, listen to me. I'm a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy roller, and I don't know how anybody is making it on this planet without the Holy Ghost. I don't know how are they doing it because when I wake up in the morning, I don't even swing my legs out of my bed until my tongue is going. Hallelujah. Bumbo daily band of I'm a prophesying to my day, speaking life over my day, quoting the word of God. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the righteousness of God. Abraham's but I ain't getting out of bed and stepping into this planet without God on my side. I'm not doing it. And so I look at people that don't have him and I go, what are you doing? Because <laughs> man, would you, can, can you imagine living on this planet and not being able to pray when you don't know what's going on. <laughs> People come to me and say, Pastor, what do I do? I go, I don't know. How do I pray? I don't know. Well, you're supposed to. That's what we pay you for. No, you don't. I say, well, I would just pray in the spirit about it if I was you. How long? I don't know that either. But it always works. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, in the desert, this is what they learned. Look at Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom and all things. Oh, I thought he said seek first college. I, I didn't say I was against college. If God told you to go to college, go to college. If he didn't, stay out of it. And make sure that it's not a liberal college where they're going to try to suck Jesus right out of you. It's a business. But he never said anything into seek first college. It's amazing to me. Can I just pick on y'all for a minute? How many parents will have their kids in school and they still don't know how to pray in the Holy Ghost? Honey, it, it, listen. It is far more advantageous for you to learn to pray than to get an education. What are you going to do with people like... Um, uh, Truett, what's his name, Kathy Truett. What are you going to do with a guy like that? Because Burger King wants to know what he's doing. McDonald's wishes they knew what they're doing. You know, I've got, I don't even want to eat there anymore. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, there's a line a mile long. What's this man doing? Well, it seems like to me there's a river of God flowing in that man's life somewhere. Amen? Amen? You see, see, when God kisses you, you're kissed. These people are doing things. There's people on this planet. That, listen, it's not college. College didn't put him over. I'm not anti-college. 
There's a lot of things. See, the world doesn't have a river. They have a cistern and they've got to put water in it. You and I don't have a cistern. We have a spring of water springing up on the inside of us unto everlasting life. And he didn't give it to you just so you could speak in tongues. That is eternal life. That means it's going to water everything in your life. If the devil sticks you in the middle of hell, when he comes back to check on you, you will have a garden growing in the middle of that place with fruit trees growing and an oasis because everywhere you go, the river goes where you go. In other words, you can't have a bad life. Don't you think about Paul and Silas. Satan thought he, I mean, we got them now. We stuck, we gonna stick them in a jail. And they got in there and they said, you know, why don't we crank the river up a little bit? And the Bible says the prisoners heard them and they're over there making a, a Pentecostal scene out of themselves. And, I, and even though they couldn't dance in the spirit right then, I can imagine Silas got his old chains going. And Paul's over there going, well, there's a river of life flowing out of me, hallelujah. And it's dark in that dungeon hole and it's dark and Satan's put them in there to kill them and let them rot. But what they forgot was there's a river on the inside of those men. And they turned that river loose and it broke all the chains off of them, rattled the jail cell, and turned the jail into a church. They went into hell and came out and made a church. And the head of the prison became the pastor. See, you can't hold a good man down. He should have learned that when they killed Jesus. But Jesus is not the last one running around with life on the inside of him all right i'm just uh, this is just one scripture if you learn to seek first the kingdom all things would be added unto you now look at this one matthew eleven twenty eight. come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden now don't now listen i've seen christian pastor <laughs> it bad it bad oh it's bad and i don't doubt it it might be Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor, heavy laden, under a burden, things not going well. And I'll give you what? Iced tea, a hammock. We're going to turn this thing around, baby. Don't you worry about all this stuff to death. Don't you worry about it. I'm about to turn it. See, whatever you're going through, there's a river in you. Jesus said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. Now understand this, the world does not have that river. They're always, they've got to have that job. The politicians, they've got to get that money. Oh, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church all of a sudden. See, don't blame them for hooking and crooking. That's all they got. They, they, they under a curse. They got to steal it. They can't give their way out of debt. They can't stand on the word, whatever I put my hand to shall prosper. Because whatever they put their hand to is going to fall apart. It's like everything else they put their hand to. Some of you were like that, and we're glad you're here today. If you're just getting started, we'll see you again next Sunday. Teach you 
how to own. Think of Joseph. Put him in jail. He's running it. I mean, that's not the way it's supposed to go. He's a prisoner. Then he meets the guy, the big dog, and then he runs the country. I told my boss one time I was working for, I said, it's good that you have me. God is blessing you because I'm here. I have a covenant and he's got to keep me blessed. So as long as you've got me, you're fine. Don't, you don't want to fire me. You said, you said, oh, I absolutely told him that. Well, I should go back and check and see how things are going since I left. It's been a while ago. Let's look at this one. Philippians 4.19. My God. I thought that said I. My job. My job shall supply all of my needs. No, your job. Have you all ever had a job that just disappeared? I'll come over here. A good job. Secure job. And one day you got it. The next day it's gone. Well, you don't want to put your faith there. I used to work at a very prestigious place. I'll name the name of it if if y'all don't mind. Philip Crosby and Associates. $500 ashtrays. I was the bus driver. I carried the biggest dogs in America to lunch. The head of the Army. The head of IBM. The head of AT&T. I'm the driver who took them to lunch. They shouldn't have asked me where the girly joints were because I, I didn't tell them. I told them where churches were. That's got, that got me fired. But anyway, um, <laughs> so they called me in the office one day, and they looked at me and said, we're letting you go. And I went, that's okay. You got a tissue? Give me one. Everybody that went in the office that day came out crying. They called me in the office and we're letting you go. And I went, glory to God. (laughs) That's not normal. And I thought, well, the Lord sent me here to the city and he'll take care of me. I didn't come here looking for you. Well, you definitely are not my source. And I went, I had a youth group at that time and I went home that night and I told the youth group, I says, we need to pray because I need to have work. And I got a phone call right after the end of the youth group and I was working the next morning. And that's a long story, but that turned into prosperity after that. Then I started running a crew and building all the hotels on I drive. Now, folks, there is a God, but you're not him. I, I'm, listen, all the things that we put our faith in, stop it. You're going to be very disappointed. God can take care of you with a job, without a job. With a husband, without a husband. You say he left, Good. You ain't saying it now, but you, 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 know, you know, later you get the guts. Well, that was the best day of my life. I'm prophesying over somebody. I don't know who it is, but anyway. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make what all what grace abound toward you that you always having all things, uh, efficiency, all things, all things. How much? All things. Let's go back to your job for a minute. Even though you have a job, 
Why are you limiting it to your income? Why is it that God can't increase your income with more than just your job? The Lord told me this years ago. He said, I always bless you three-dimensionally. When you're at work, I'm teaching you things that will make you money in the future. Amen. There's things you're learning now that will bring you blessing in the future. When I was building houses, I didn't know that one day I would build one for 74000 and sell it for two eighty-five. Mm. Even though I'm laying block and God is blessing me. And I'm being blessed at work. He's increasing my knowledge base. Right now, he's increasing you in areas. It won't show up for five or ten years. And it'll bring you a lot of money. And yet, right now, you're looking at your job and going, well, I'm not blessed. Oh, you're more blessed than you think you are. Well, I just got off of that. Okay. Look at second. Oh, 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 no, no. I'm jumping way ahead of myself. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let's pop it on the screen. Thanks be to God. Notice all of these are God, not you. Amen. There's no pressure on you to make this happen. What did they do in the desert? Nothing. What should they have been doing? Worshiping God. We're coming back to this in a minute. What should they have been doing? Worshiping God. All right, and we'll come back. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. How often do you triumph? Always. 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 Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivers you out of some of them. Most of them. All of them. I want you to think about what you're going through right now and look at it and go, All of them. I'm coming out of you. You notice that everywhere, everywhere the people, children of Israel went, even though they went through bondage, God made the Egyptians pay them. Can y'all handle something? No one can take advantage of you. They think they can. Well, I'm going to tell you, when God gets done, they're going to write you checks. I've had people try to take advantage of me and Lisa, and it has never worked. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I condemn it and prove it to be wrong. This is the heritage of the servants of God for their righteousness is of me. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nobody can lay their hand on you and rob from you. Folks, just give it to them. It'll come back good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Boy, that's pretty good. Now, (laughs) go to Numbers 20. I think that's where I want to go. If not, we'll just fake it. Twenty eleven. No, that's not it. That's not what I wanted to go to. 
will just, just erase that from your mind. <laughs> Some of y'all look at me like, where is he going? I don't know yet. Just hold on. <laughs> Go to Colossians 1.27. I didn't realize I'd already passed that scripture. Colossians. Now, let's think about this for a minute. We were reading a while ago, I'm going to make a road in the desert and rivers in the badland. Where... Is this river? It's in you. Is it not? Now, now in, in when, when Moses brought the children of Israel, it was in the rock and that rock was Christ. But when Jesus met the woman at the well, he says, there shall be a river in you, a well springing up into everlasting life. John 7 says, out of your belly shall flow what? You are the ever ready battery. You have an ability that the world does not have. The river is not just in the rock now. The rock is inside of you. We often say, well, Jesus is in me. We found out last week, that same spirit. But we need to do, we need to preach Easter way more than Easter, guys. Listen, I want you to think about what happens to a man who has died to become sin taking the sin of the world, and Satan drug him down into hell. Is that a bad day? That's a bad day, isn't it? And yet what happened to him is that the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And then he says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What happened to him? He got born again. That's it. That's it. You say, well, that wasn't much. No, no, because you've never been taught how much that is. Because if it has the ability to blow him out of hell with every demon on him, what does it have the ability to do for the hell that's in your life right now? Same thing. Same thing. Hell couldn't hold Jesus. Hell can't hold you. Because you have the same river. The same river that was in Jesus is now, it's, it's a river. And, it, and it's not a cistern. It's a river. And you and I, we're going to talk in a minute about how to make it flow. Because that's what you want to happen. You want it to flow. So he said, out of your belly will flow rivers. And it says, okay. It says, to them God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, now, boy, I wish we had, I, I almost wish we had about 10 hours for church one Sunday. We'd have to bring in pizza. People run around going, I got Jesus in my heart. You have no idea what you just said. Do you have any idea what you just said? You have God in you. I mean, when that hits you, you are going to dance in the Holy Ghost. You are going, you are, we're going to know it hits you. Jesus in the, Jesus on the inside of me. Jesus inside of me. 
the, 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 the guy that, that beat the devil, the guy that rose from the dead that beat hell, the guy that beat death, the guy that wrote that he's, he is, the, the word Lord means conqueror and victor. I got the victor living on the inside of me. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. All right, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory, not someday, now. I wish that God would let you have an x-ray, not a picture of you, but an x-ray of you. Because you glow. You guys glow in the spirit. Every demon in hell can spot you coming down the road. Because they see Jesus. They can see the glory in you. Now, do you remember the day Jesus was up on the mount and all of a sudden the glory shone through his flesh? We're going to see that happen. We've been a people trying to get healed. We're coming into a time where the healing power is going to be so strong on us. It's going to heal people around us. We're going to get to the place that we're so blessed that all of our needs, and it's just going to dump out of us to the, you're going to have money to just give away. I told you he's doing a new thing. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it slow here to show you what's about to happen, but we've got to learn in just a minute. How are we going to get this river going? How do you get this glory in you to start shining through that body of yours? It'll heal it. Okay, never mind. I just. I got 10 minutes left, guys. Second Corinthians 4 7. I'm going to read each of them because I want you to see them. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Where is it? It's in you. Now, I know y'all love Todd White. But I want you to think about this. It's not his hair. If it's his hair, I don't stand a chance. I just want to know how he washes it. That's all I want to know. Okay, that's enough. All he is is a, is a boy, is a young man that learned to turn God in him loose. That's, that's, that's for everybody in this, this, all you young people, you are the next Todd Whites. I, I call this the Todd White generation. Now I named it. It'll probably be in Charisma Magazine one day. I don't know for all I know. <laughs> I know I'm crazy. We... We have a treasure. God, it gets so strong on me, I can't talk. Oh. I was walking down the streets of the Bahamas one day, and I was out passing out tracks, and there's a boy 
that got up in the morning and went with me. He had gotten born again and healed in a meeting. And so every morning when I woke up, he was waiting at front to go wherever I went. He went with me. And at first I thought he was a little pest. And I thought, well, if he's going to go with me, I'm going to put him to work. So I said, you're going to take the tracks and walk down that side of the street, and I'm taking on this. And we were talking about the crusade that night. And I'm walking down the street praying in the Holy Ghost. I pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. Let me tell you something. When you're in a foreign country, nobody thinks anything about you speaking another language. Orlando is a foreign country. So I'm walking down the street and I'm praying the spirit. And this boy's launching me. And it dawned on me what he was doing. He was, he was trying to figure out what I was doing. And I said, you want it? And he goes, mm-hmm. I said, Phil. And he starts speaking in tongues on the other side of the street. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just the dawn on you what we're walking around with. To point at somebody in the street and God fill them with the Holy Ghost 10 yards away? Fill. <laughs> Better put that up. His <laughs> safety on. <laughs> we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. So what that we are hard pressed on every side? So what? Yet we're not crushed. We might be perplexed at times, but we're not in despair. We might be persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We might get struck down, but we're not destroyed. See, you can't take me out. You know, one of the stories I love to hear is Paul Young Cho, when he sent boys to Vietnam, he lost None of them. Not a boy died. They put a prayer warrior on every boy. You you start surrounding people. I love to read the story of how many bullets they found in George Washington's coat. And the Indians came and said, we want to meet the man that cannot die. They put snipers and shot at him and shot at him and shot at him. And all of his days of being a general and a president and all of the bullets he found in his coat, not one scratched the surface of this man's skin because he was full of God. And we think that's kind of history. That's not. That's you and me, baby. That's all of us. We, we literally should be walking around so full of God that the world looks at us and goes, what do you have? All right. Let's go to another one. I'm not. Mm, 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 mm. Ephesians 3.20. I, hadn't got to my, I haven't even gotten to my point yet. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, I don't think this is good English, but I've, I've, you don't say exceedingly abundantly together, but it's in the Bible and I I think it's completely bad English. My English teacher told me not to ever do that. To him who does exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ask or think according to God up in heaven. No. Why do you think you bow your head when you pray? Never mind, y'all think about that a while. 
Somebody said, the Lord is coming. I said, he, he arrived when I came in. <laughs> well, you're arrogant. <laughs> no, I'm not. I brought him with me. I'm taking him with me when I go to. According to the power that's already working on the inside of you. So here's the key. How do you turn it loose? Isaiah 12.3. Which I love this scripture. Now, now remember what we've learned. It's not your circumstance. Boy, you got to get it. It's not your circumstance. It's not your, it's not the people around you. It's not what someone done wrong to you. It's not all those things. You are, you, you're running around with the river of God on the inside of you. And the river is the very life of God that makes heaven, heaven, right? Okay. Now, now look at Isaiah 12, three, therefore with joy, you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, here's the next thing you're going to start seeing happen in churches. We're seeing it in a, in, a, in a measure, but we haven't seen it because we've been in teach me mode. Teach me the Bible mode. Notebook, close it and go home. Nothing wrong with that. We're not taken away from that. But we're coming into a time now where churches are going to start stepping in to the very presence of God. We've got to get over knowing about him and start knowing him. You've got to get introduced to this guy and you've got to start learning to flow with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And the way that's done is your times of worship in the presence of God. It's not, a, it's not the 15 minutes before the good stuff starts. If we, if we would learn that you have the ability to turn this power loose at will. Yes. In everything, give thanks. Why? It's not that you're thanking him for it. You're thanking him in it because you just released the river of God in a desert Satan used to try to take you out. Count it all joy when you fall in the diverse temptations, test and trial. Why are you counting it all joy? Because you're happy. No, it's not that you're happy. It's that right now you're thinking, my God meets all of my needs. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. And Abraham's blessings are mine. Everything I put my hand to shall prosper. The prayers of a man in right standing with God makes tremendous power available. So when Satan locks you up in a jail cell someplace and he starts listening to you like Paul, he hears you singing. And that's not his plan. It's the way we've been doing it to whine and cry and, you know, somebody pray for me. Oh, if somebody would just pray for me. 
I, I, I just can't imagine walking up to Jesus and going, hi, Jesus. And he goes, pray for me. <laughs> Jesus? Let's make it. Let's, Smith Wigglesworth. Let's just, Smith, hey, Smith, how you doing? Pray for me. Pray for me. Now, man, why do we think that's not normal? Why, why do you act like that? Why are you acting like the Bible is not true? I didn't say that the desert, I didn't say Satan wasn't trying. Oh, he's trying, baby. Many are the afflictions. Honey, the closer you get to God, the more they come. That's why I don't get out of bed without my Shondai tie, my bow tie. I get up in the morning praying in the Holy Ghost. I mean, I've had every imaginable thing you can imagine try to take me down. Unable. I'm not smarter than you. But I got this guy inside. And he is real smart. Amen. He like made the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, dude, in there, we need to do some talking. That's right. Man, there's been times it is just like all hell on me. Wake up in a spirit of fear on me, sweating and going, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" And, I, and you know, in your mind, your, your, your mind is racing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And something inside going, well, you ain't never done nothing yet. Why don't you just crank it up? Why don't you just rely on me a little bit? Amen. So I'm going to close with a story. And uh, I've told it before, but like Brother Hagen, if he can tell a story 25 times, 2,500, I can tell mine 25. So I'm not worried about telling anyway. There's always about five, six people never heard my stories anyway. Even though right now we're making a book out of all of them. So they'll, soon there'll be a book. Dr. Morgan's storytelling. Okay. All right. Now listen, listen to this story. When I left Bible school, you know, you have these ideas in your head how life is going to work. Let me tell you something. It rarely ever happens the way you think it is. If you've got it planned, forget it. It's probably not going to happen that way. But anyway, so I leave Bible school, and I am ready to take the world for Jesus. So I became a youth pastor. Lo and behold, I went through a divorce. That wasn't in the plan. (laughs) Then the church I was in asked me to leave. That wasn't in the plan. The next thing you know, this mighty man of God is laying concrete block, working a construction job, that I have to work five days a week just to make, just to pay the bills. Now, I, I, you know, the devil will get on you. Yes. Look at you. You went off to that school and learned, <laughs> look at you, buddy. You the brokest person on the street. You the, you, the only, you the messed up man and you trust God. Oh, you know, that stuff will play on your mind, won't it? If I don't work five days a week, I don't eat. I have no wife. Kids are gone. No friends. Now it's raining. Guess what? I'm not working today. And I'm sitting on I-Drive in Kirkman. 
And I said, God, did you leave me too? I mean, everybody else did. I mean, you know, there's times your life just, it's just hell. It's just hell. And you're going, what what do I do? So the Lord says, and he did this so many times to me. Would you like to hear a story? And I'm going, yeah. I ain't going anywhere. I'm sitting in the car, and he says, once upon a time, there was a little creature. Woke up in the morning, and mommy and daddy had gone to grandmama's house, and he woke up late. And the whole family had left, and he did not know how to get to grandmama's house. So he gets down, and he starts roaming around the jungle. And, and he says, he walks up to the antelope, and he says, Mr. Antelope, Mr. Antelope, my mommy and daddy and my brothers and sisters, they went to grandmama's house. And I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. Can you tell me? And so the, the, the antelope or the gazelle said, well, yeah, you just get out like this. And, and he takes off running through the prairie. And so the little creature takes off running through the prairie. And after just a few minutes, he realized this isn't going to work for me. And he just wore him out. And so he wanders off down into the jungle. And he comes up on a big old tree full of monkeys. And he said, Mr. Monkey, Mr. Monkey, my mommy and daddy left this morning, went to grandmama's house. I don't know how to get to grandma's house. Can you help me? He said, oh, yeah, that's nothing to it. Just jump up here and swing like us. And so the little creature jumps up from limb to limb, trying to look like a monkey. And he couldn't do it. And after a minute, he just fell flat on the, on the forest floor and just wore out. So then he just goes further down in the jungle. And he comes up on a river. And there's a bunch of fish in the river. And he comes up and he says, Mr. Fish, my mommy and daddy went to grandmama's house. I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. I don't know how to get there. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I don't, I'm just, I don't know what to do. And the fish says, be cool. Just dive in with us. Wiggle real good. And you, it won't be long. You'll be at grandmama's house. So the little creature dies in the river and just about drowned. Just wiggled and wiggled and nothing happened. Climbs out and just roams and roams and roams. Finally, he pops back out on the prairie again, and he walks up, big lion, and he just bumps into this big lion, and he looks up at the lion, and he goes, well, one more time, Mr. Lion, Mr. Lion, my mom and daddy left this morning, went to grandma's house. I asked the gazelle, he couldn't help me, and I asked the monkey, they couldn't help me, I asked the fish, nobody could help me. I'm just asking you, can you help me get to grandma's house? And he says, I can if you'll do what I say. He said, well, I tried everything else. He said, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to worship God with all of your might. Just just worship God. When you feel like you've worshiped him with all of your might, open your eyes, and you will know how to get there. And so the little creature goes, well, okay. So he stands there and starts jumping around and getting happy and woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And he's thanking Jesus. He's saved. And he's thanking Jesus that he meets. And he's just having a Holy Ghost time right out there. And finally, he feels like he's really worshiped. And all of a sudden, he goes, well, okay. And he opens up his eyes. And whoa, he's about several thousand feet in the air. And he looks down. There's a big old lion down there. And he looks over the mountain range. And he sees his mommy and daddy, brother and sisters flying out over the ridge. And he looks at the lion and waves at him and takes off after them. Now, I'm sitting in the car, and it's raining, and I said, okay, Lord. He said, son, the world can't help you. 
You can't run with them, you can't swing with them, and you can't be cool with them. Because I have made you a new creation, and you are to live up here with me. And he said, you want out of your problem? Get out of this car and start worshiping God. And you know how you look on iDrive when you get out of your car and you cut a rug? It's okay. Everybody down there is crazy anyway. I got in my car and I went home praising God. And he took every bit of that and turned it around. Within a month, I'm flying for Air Mobile Ministries. Within two years, I'm pastoring this church. But it wasn't long after that, Lisa and I got married. God took a situation that Satan was trying to kill me with it and turned it because, you know, when, let, me, let me say something about faith. There is no such thing as sad faith. The gospel will make you happy. Faith in God, when you're in faith, you will be worshiping God. Just, just look at yourself. If you're not praising him, you're not in faith. In everything. Do y'all get this? Did you get this? So, so you're walking around this morning full of God, and some of you came in here with problems. And I'm going to tell you, starting today, you're going to turn that around for the good. Every one of you in the sound of my voice, the, the Lord told me, he says, I want you to go in there and, and preach this to them. And I'm going to turn everything they're dealing with in their life around. If they'll just remember that they are not God, I am God. The greater one is in them. And if they will start learning to worship me, there is nothing impossible for me. And that river inside of you, it's inside of you guys. It is, you're not waiting for it to come from heaven. It's inside you. When you start learning to turn it loose, you're going to water everything around you and God's going to take you back into your own personal garden of Eden. Thy will be done on earth just like it is up in heaven. He deposited heaven inside of you and now he wants heaven around you on the outside. That happens during your times of worship. See, this is more than singing a song. This is good, isn't it? How many of you, my God, that's easy. Yeah. What happened to the guy that Jesus prayed for? And one came and worshiped him. They were all healed, but only one was made whole. You can be healed, but not everybody's made whole. Papa God, Father God, I, I have done, I have literally poured my heart out because I'm seeing things that, that you're doing and I'm trying my best to make them real so that we walk out of church this morning and not say that was just another service, that that, that was life-changing, Father. Father God, you, we're supposed to be ruling and reigning in this earth. It's time that this church begin to rule and reign. It's time we begin to rule and reign. It's time for us to take our homes back. It's time to take our business back. It's time for us to take this economy back. It's time to take this nation back. 
And it's not going to happen in the political realm. It's going to happen in churches first. Father, these young people that are sitting here, I pray you'd impregnate them right now. Get them pregnant with a vision to be used by God mightier than anything they've ever seen. If, he's gonna, if there's going to be a smith, why not make a smith out of one of them? If there's an Amy Simple McPherson, why not one of these? If there's a Catherine Kuhlman, why not one of these young people, Father God? Why not? It's not you stopping it. And Father, there's people here I know when they walked in today, they got some problems. And my heart goes out to them. I know they got problems. But, but, but Father God, I'm asking that you get, just show them right now and give them the grace to get their eyes off that problem and back on you and to give you glory and honor and to sing right in the middle of the storm and create a river in a bad land. Father, you're creating rivers right now in a bad, bad land. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.